Hello and welcome to the TESS English Teaching Podcast. My name is Jamie Tom. I'm an English teacher and the author of Slow Teaching, Finding Calm, Clarity and Impact in the Classroom. This podcast has been set up with the simple aim to provide a space for English teachers to reflect on areas surrounding our subject. As teachers, we know how important English is for young people. And by the nature of our subject, we're inquisitive, reflective and committed to learning. And... As Jeff Barton wrote in his inspiring 12 Things Great English Teachers Do, great English teachers are passionate. They're passionate about many things. Books, literature, theatre, their classes, film, wine. They're people to be reckoned with. People with opinions, people you can't ignore. This monthly podcast will aim to fuel that passion and give voice to English teachers. It will also give us the opportunity to take an hour of our frantic school experience to continue to move forward as professionals. Each month there'll be an interview with some of the driving forces of English teaching from across the UK and the world. People who are experts in the various fields of English teaching. People you certainly can't ignore. Becky Wood and Nikki Carlin set up Team English two years ago and now have almost 18,000 online followers and are a driving collaboration across the country. I hope you'll agree that this journey and what Becky and Nikki have learned throughout the process makes for fascinating listening. John Donne's famous poem might have cried, No man is an island. Yet in schools, plenty of teachers are metaphorical islands working intensively hard, growing more and more frustrated with the various demands on their time. The reality is that workload for English teachers can be particularly intense, planning, new specifications and huge piles of that terrible marking. Finding ways to better collaborate and bring together teachers would appear to be one of the main ways in which we can prevent stress and improve retention in our profession. In our interview, Becky and Nikki explore how we can work more efficiently and effectively in the years to come, learn how to collaborate and use the strengths of those around us better, and start to take more control of that elusive work-life balance. I hope you'll find it both practically useful and as encouraging as I did as the nerves of another school year begin to appear. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Becky and Nikki, and I hope you enjoy the first episode of the TESS English Teaching Podcast. Becky and Nikki, welcome. Thank you so much for being the first guest on the show. Very welcome. We're really excited to uh, speak to you today. The first question is just a little bit of a a sort of English warm-up. So, Nikki, who's your favourite literary character and why? (laughs) Um, well, my favourite book is It by Stephen King, so my favourite character comes from there. It's um, Bill Denbrow, who's like the leader of the Losers Club. He's the little, like the main boy in the novel. I always think as an English teacher, I'm meant to choose a character from like a classic or something. But um, now Bill Denbrow, he's, he's dead brave and he's really wise and he's a really good leader of all the other kids. And I think he's just an awesome sort of like role model for, for young Aww. boys. I really like him. <laughs> Fantastic choice. That's that's a very original choice uh, for the first ever choice. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Nikki. Uh, right, Becky, who do you think? Uh, 
um, a bit like Nikki, I thought I should go for some kind of, you know, highbrow literary character. But no, I'm going to go for Harry Hole from the Joe Nesbo books. Fantastic. Because he's just, I like characters that are broken in some way because they're real. Mm -hmm. He's very broken. He's an alcoholic and, you know, things don't go quite right for him. Life hasn't gone quite right. Relationships haven't gone quite right. And he just, I love him. And I find it very difficult, actually. I, I watched the film the other day of The Snowman, and it, it wasn't Harry Hole in my head. <laughs> but Harry Hole is a fantastic character, and if you haven't read any of those books, read them. That's two very sort of original and creative choices to start us off with. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that, guys. I think listeners would really appreciate just before we start talking a little bit more about the journey of Team English, just about your own teaching experiences or what kind of schools are you teaching in you know how did you get into teaching English maybe Nikki if you wouldn't mind starting off for us yeah um I've been teaching for 10 years now um and I've been in the same school all that time um the school that I did my block b placement in I really wanted to stay um unfortunately some people left so I got an opportunity to stick around um yeah I love my school it's really really diverse there's lots of EAL pupils lots of SEN lots of people premium um, and I think I get a lot of satisfaction out of working in a school of, of, of that sort of makeup um, and that's why I've never left really and I've been really fortunate to have lots of opportunities there that has led for me you know going from being an NQT to director of faculty um, I may have gone if the opportunities hadn't come up there but I've just been really lucky that they have and I'm, I'm dead passionate about working in the environment that I work in it's like an inner city school in Manchester um, like I said, very diverse. Um, and yeah, I get a lot of satisfaction out of working there. I love that idea that you've gone through the journey in the same school as well, because it's all about, you know, building relationships and things there as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's super brilliant. Thank you for that, Nikki. Becky, what about yourself? I've had a quite long journey to being a teacher. Um, I, my parents were teachers. My dad was a head teacher. My mum was um, a Senko. Um, uh, grandma was a head teacher, granddad was a, was a teacher. And oh, so wow. I always said when I was a teenager, I'm never going to be a teacher because that was my <laughs> act of rebellion. Um, and fortunately, I found myself a single parent um, after university. And one of the ways that I could work and still pick the kids up from school was being a teaching assistant. So um, I started as a teaching assistant. Um, at my school that I work at now. Uh, then I moved to uh, HLTA and worked with small groups, um, taught very small classes. Then I was an unqualified teacher. And then my school put me through the GTP programme, the old GTP. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was salaried to train as a teacher. Um, so I've actually only been a teacher since 2012, but I've worked at my school for 15 years. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, so... It's kind of a, a bit like Nikki, really. It's, you know, to me, it's, it's they've done all this for me. It feels very much like a community. We support each other. It's very family orientated. And that's why I've never left the school, really, because it's just mm. a fabulous school. Much like Nikki, it's a um, lots of EAL, about 54% EAL, um, pupil premium. And it's just, you feel like you've achieved something. Oh, that's brilliant. 
and again a lot you know that that idea of 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 going through a different route into teaching and that experience of the school just sounds sounds fantastic and again both examples you know the the passion the commitment you've both got to your schools is 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 brilliant it's inspiring stuff right well translate that that passion and that commitment um and i'm really i'm really interested in in kind of where your vision for Team English came about. Because obviously, as I introduced you at the start of the show, it's, it's been running for two years now, and you've amassed almost kind of 18,000 followers in that space of time. And I know from my personal experience how hugely helpful I've found it in terms of managing the complex life of being an English teacher and, you know, even in terms of resources, in terms of building a community of, of English teachers, it's a, it's a really inspiring vehicle for change. So I wonder how you came about with the whole the whole project, really, and then how it's translated over the past two years. Um, well, yeah, so basically I was using Twitter a lot to share um, resources and to find resources and to ask for advice. Um, and I don't think people really use them much anymore, but, you know, you used to be able to set up lists on Twitter. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so I just thought it made... I- it would, I wanted to find like a central location of where I could find English teachers mm-hmm. and so I started I just put a tweet out one day that said I'm starting a list called hashtag team English if you want to be added to the list then just message me and in one Saturday afternoon I got about 200 responses and I was like oh, oh wow me. like <laughs> people really want this yeah um, yeah so for a few for a couple of months really it was just a list and people using the hashtag um and then I'd become quite friendly and chatty with Becky on Twitter um, and with a couple of other people as well who were with us at the start of it, but then sort of pulled out. Um, And yeah, I just messaged her one day and was like, I'm thinking of starting up an account for hashtag Team English. And Mm -hmm. do you think you want to be a part of that? I don't think I could run it on my own. It's going to be quite a big job. It seems like people want this. Um, And yeah, she said yes. So we set it up and like within yeah within a very short period of time we had a lot of followers and people using the hashtag wanting to share resources and blogs and it just grew and just kept growing mm. um so there was obviously a need out there for it so wh- wh- where do you think that need comes from then why do you think that people were so keen to get involved in that that concept and that idea of bringing english teachers together i know that when i started using twitter to to find english teachers and resources and stuff is because i felt there was something lacking from my own training and my own school, and that's no discredit mm. to my school. I think schools don't really know the best ways to to provide subject specific CPD. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's nationwide. But I knew on Twitter, I was, you know, I know it's a really contentious debate, but I was learning what the difference was between being a trad or a prog and, yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. Re- reading all these blogs about approaches to teaching different texts and suddenly I was exposed to this, all of these ideas that I had not had access to before at all. And so I thought other people must feel like this as well. Um, and it turns out they do. It's about it's about CPD, really, and finding mm. it in an alternative place. Teachers sort of crave that as well, I think. I think as a, as a species, as it were, we mm-hmm. sort of crave ideas and we crave, um, you know, how, how can we improve things or how can we change things or how can I do something a bit differently and make my teaching a bit more exciting? Yeah. And I think that that's not available necessarily in schools, as Nikki said. Um, there's lots of sort of very 
generic CPD, but not necessarily things about your subject. So people sort of turn to wherever they can find it. And, and Twitter is a great place to do that. Mm. Teaching can be quite an insular profession as well. You know, we're kind of in our own little boxes half the time in classrooms and there's not enough mechanisms in, in schools itself. And I want to touch on this a little bit later about, you know, what you've learned about ways in which we can collaborate in the school environment a little bit better. But I think what you're providing is is that kind of instant point of collaboration that we can access really easily and it's simplified and lots of people can get involved in it. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested if you faced any kind of challenges with it, because I think with that scope of people and that amount of people, you know, has there been any difficulties you faced in terms of sharing resources and ideas and how have you gone about moving away or improving that situation? Um, I think one of the things we try to always do with Team English um, you might notice from the Twitter account, the actual account itself doesn't tweet much out. We often yeah. just retweet stuff. We find, I think we've managed to avoid any sort of troubles or difficulties with it really because we don't, it, it's very, um, what's the word, non-bias. You know, we just mm. we just share stuff and put stuff out there. We don't engage in educational debate. We don't promote one type of teaching over another. We mm. just share and people can take what they want from that. Um, and I think that sort of keeps us out of you know a lot of the debates that can occur yeah. around education and, and things like that so mm. yeah i can't i've not had many difficulties with it that i can recall <laughs> oh super easy get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um the odd person that forgets that we're we're sort of teachers teaching yeah. yes. a full timetable and therefore we can't retweet their item 24 and, hours a day <laughs> 20 to 11 when i've got year 10 or whatever so um yeah. Yeah. That, that's sort of some yeah, but really we haven't we haven't come across anything sort of major i think it's been a nice sort of positive mm, actually. and i think that's partly because as nikki said we've just been careful not to not to engage not to give our sort of personal views on things yeah. you know if, if i don't think a resource is particularly good but that doesn't mean that somebody else might not find it good so yeah yeah that that's yeah, it's just keeping non-bias, really. Brilliant. And I think, as I said before, that sense of it being simple, easy to access and, and direct really helps with that as well. What about your own kind of well-beings and things? How much how much time do you have to invest in keeping ahead? Because as it's grown and grown and grown incrementally over the past two years, it must be a huge amount of time in terms of what you're putting into it. Although I know, you know, the idea that it must be sort of cognitive of the fact that you're helping a huge amount of teachers and that must must help to motivate but I still wonder how you managed to fit it all in in terms of time. When we first started it I made the mistake of having my, my notification switched on um, for oh. Team English and that, <laughs> oh, that was a bad idea um, so no I just it's as simple as that I don't have my notification switched on I know that Becky's running it as well so I know that if there's a day where I haven't been able to log in and retweet stuff Becky's mm. probably done it um, but no, I make a habit of just logging in every day, um, mm. at least once, and just scrolling through the timeline, retweeting, sharing, connecting people, answering our DMs. And yeah, mm. it's, it doesn't, um, I know that I can step away from it if I need to, but to be honest, it doesn't cause me a great deal of stress at all. I quite like, mm. like you said, it feels good to help people. I yeah, like answering yeah. the DMs when people want help with something. Um and so, yeah, I just put aside a little bit of time for each day. It just feels quite nice, really. I don't mm. mind it at all. I just 
so I might be eating my lunch and I just pop in and just retweet a few bits and pieces. Um, we normally get a bit more in the evening, don't we? Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm. going in about six o'clock and seeing what people um, are asking for or need support with. Um, but yeah, I don't find it a burden because it is helping people, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just, I think both of us just enjoy that, the, the fact that we can support people. Um, I think we're both quite supportive people anyway, and the fact mm -hmm. that we do that kind of thing at school, but we're also doing <laughs> it elsewhere. And yeah. also, I mean, the stuff that I've learned from doing Team English, I take to my own department. So it's yeah, absolutely. really. That's fantastic. Um, and I think one of the things I think is interesting to explore a little bit is for people who might not be active on social media, who might not have, you know, even social media accounts at this stage, some of the listeners perhaps, I wonder if I wonder if you can offer any sort of words of wisdom about how to translate the, uh, the social media world, because I, I, I do genuinely believe that um, you know, I, I joined up a, a couple of years ago and everything you're saying about it being quite transformative in terms of what I've been doing in the classroom and the amount you can learn from people is 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 incredible. But at the same time, I've got a little bit of a sort of um, there is a, a love hate relationship in a way where, you know, certain aspects of it are perhaps not as optimistic or as, um, you know, encouraging and as motivating as, as what you've been doing with Team English. I mean, I've sort of spent the last couple of months completely off it and thinking a little bit more about, you know, ways in which to use it in a, in a positive manner. And I just wonder if you've got any advice for people who might be thinking, so start of the new year, I want to join social media and, and start to use that as a, a form of CPD. I'm one of those people who a few times in my time on Twitter has done the, you know, the old Twitter break and just been like, I need to get off here for the exact mm. same reasons you say it can be a really negative place at times um but i think i like to sort of nickname team english as the nice corner of twitter because oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah like i said we don't get involved in any of the debates that inevitably become arguments and rows on there and i think for people who are starting out on twitter and just want to use it for cpd you know follow the team english account and the people that are mm. sharing resources and so on and I don't know, even sometimes, even if something really gets my go on there that somebody said, I don't often engage because I just, I, I know that the row on there isn't worth it. So just pull away yeah. from that. You know, don't follow people who you think are antagonistic or negative, And then you'll find yourself in actually quite a pleasant and positive little bubble to yeah. be in of, mm -hmm. of just sharing resources and blogs and positivity. And I think, yeah, whenever I'm feeling a little bit negative about it, I just sort of go to that side of Twitter and yeah. and, and stay there for a bit. It's, it's positive and it's all about sharing and collaboration. And I would, yeah, just hang around that corner of it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the happy corner. It's great yeah, advice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, I agree that, you know, there are times when you do feel like you're, you may be drawn into something or I'll read something and I think, no, that's wrong. And, and then I get involved in an argument and I'm trying to do that much, much less because actually um, that, that makes you feel quite drained in your in your real life, as it were. Um, so, yeah, it, it's focusing on the positive and the positive. There are so many positive people out there. There are so many people out there who just want to talk about education um, in, in a nice way that, you know, you don't... You just need to make sure that you're sort of moved away from that a little bit, I think. And and to not take any criticism 
to heart too much I think it's, it's a bit like I suppose the same same as mentoring a trainee um you know I, I would say you know don't take this as a criticism and it's very hard it's something you build up isn't it across across your teaching career that it it's not a criticism it's maybe you could think of doing some things a little bit differently and when you have like maybe somebody really criticizes a resource or something just try and brush it off and think oh well maybe I'll think about changing it but I like it the way it is um it, it, you know it's building a thick skin a bit a bit like you do anyway in, in teaching I think that's fantastic advice thank you and it's it's like any I suppose it's like any interpersonal environment isn't it there's sensitivities there's nuances to conversations that you just have to I guess sometimes let it brush over and I love that idea is exactly as what you kind of model so so well that focusing in on on the positives and ultimately as well you know what's going to help our teaching and in turn the experience of young people in our classrooms and that's you know keeping that in perspective I think is is a really kind of positive way to to explore it so the last sort of team English thing I wanted to think about before I pick your brains about people starting in September perhaps NQTs or just general nuggets of of wisdom you might be able to pass on um obviously the the team English conference you know that that's run this year was was hugely successful and I wonder if you could just tell me a little bit more about that and if there was any English pedagogical concerns that were replicated across that so so what is it the teachers might want to be focusing in on from the start of the year as a result of that conference? Um, well with the conference I'm, I'm probably um, we're both talking about it as sort of from the outside a little bit just mm. because um this first conference was actually organized and all the hard work and everything was done by caroline spaulding and rebecca foster mm. who were also quite uh, quite well known on twitter and um, it would it had been a thing that we there's a whole group of us that sort of are you know kind of involved in team english and we'd all been talking about it for a really long time it sounded like this great thing to do but then Becky, uh, Rebecca and Caroline sort of had the time and the know-how and the connections to actually run with it and do it. Mm. Um, so they they set up this first one and Becky's going to organise the next one, um, which I'm sure she can talk about in a moment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, we obviously spoke at it and were involved. Um, you know, Caroline and Rebecca kept us in the loop with, you know, plans about what was going on. In terms of sort of pedagogical concerns, um, sort of said after the first one that happened a few uh, about a month or so ago, what she noticed was that the ones that were the sessions that were most popularly attended were the ones that were about specific concerns that English teachers are having right now. So yeah. I think one of the really popular ones was um, uh, boys' engagement. I think that mm. was really well attended. There was one about yeah. progress eight and how we figure that out in as English teachers and what that means for us. That was very popular. Um, mm. Yeah, and so the really, really subject-specific sessions that were less about leadership or collaboration or whatever, they were really heavily attended. And so yeah. the, the vocabulary one, I think, was really, really popular as well. Mm. And so we want to make sure that what we continue to offer in future focuses in on those things and stays really relevant to what English teachers are experiencing in the classroom every day because that's yeah. clearly what they want. You see, we were a little bit sort of outside for this one and it's been fabulous seeing what Caroline and, and, and Rebecca did. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there will be a, a, a next one next year. Um, <laughs> no pressure, Becky, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, it is in the process of being organized and hopefully at the beginning of september we may be able to announce exactly when and where this will be oh, fantastic. Um, but again 
you know, we're looking at the same sort of thing. And like Nikki said, um, what was interesting and, and what Caroline was saying was that actually it was it was the it was the subject that people were interested in rather than sort of, you know, the, the name of the person giving giving the workshop. Um, yeah. It's much more, there seems to be a, a few concerns really across English teaching and I think particularly across, um, you know, things like uh, obviously GCSE, but also, um, you know, what do we do with our key stage threes to make sure that they are ready for GCSE without making it GCSE, just five years of GCSE. Yes. Um, and also, I think transition as well is is a topic that a lot of people are talking about at the moment. You know, this transition from key stage two to three. So hopefully, um, they're the kind of things that we want to um, perhaps have workshops on in the next conference. Um, mm. We'd also like to bring in a bit more primary because um, I think we can learn a lot from primary yeah. uh, as secondary teachers. Um, and I think it would also give them a sort of a, an idea about where they go from key stage two. So what do we expect them to be able to do um, at key stage three? So I think between us, and I think we need to build actually better connections between primary and secondary. It always seems to be sort of, sort of very aligned down the middle. We're actually, yeah. um, we need to collaborate together. And so we'd like to bring a bit more of that into it as well at this next conference, mm. um, having a primary strand. Um, and yeah, so I think it's a sort of, it's evolving. Mm. You know, we're hoping that it's something that that can happen every year and that we can have around the country and different people can be organizing it and and then um, yeah that it, it's a sort of event every year for yeah. kids to to come to yeah. it's even more exciting in terms of bringing people together and providing a, a, sl a slightly more human element to the work you're doing in social media it's just connecting everybody again on an even even wider level and I think you're absolutely right. There's a huge appetite for English teachers and for all teachers, I think, to, to get that conversation a little bit more subject-specific orientated because there's a sort of an overthrow of generic teaching guidance. There's so much information out there that I think people are really hungry for more subject-specific things. I know how well the conference was received and moving forward, that sounds really, really positive and, and interesting. Sounds like you're all over it, Becky. Be brilliant. Uh, no, no worries. <laughs> no, no pressure at all. <laughs> right. I wonder, uh, guys, if I could just pick your brain for a, for a little bit more September focused. For people who are starting to get that slightly anxious going back to school feeling, we're recording this middle of August. I sort of did a to-do list this morning, which uh, nearly gave me a nervous breakdown. So I'm, I'm not going anywhere near that for quite some time. Um, but with your, you know, your experience in schools, your experience running Team English, I wonder if I can ask specifically first about collaboration in school and in the school environment. I wonder if you can offer any advice um, for people about how they might start September in a slightly more collaborative mindset that can help them moving forward throughout the course of the year. I think that collaboration is something I've been working on a lot with my own department this year. Um, I think collaboration could sometimes come under the guise of just like designing a scheme of work together. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, I think it works better when it's much more than that. And I know my department this year, our collaboration has taken the form of sharing subject knowledge. 
Mm. Um, and if new teachers, well, not just new teachers, new and old, like if you can find a way of finding time with your department to share subject knowledge with each other about the text that you're studying um, and you sort of you create an environment then where everybody feels comfortable to ask for help you know to say listen I do not get what this poem is about can somebody help me <laughs> um, and you're bound to find somebody who is you know a bit of an expert in Wordsworth or just knows Macbeth inside out um, you've all everybody in your department will have these different degree routes and different interests that you really need to take advantage of um, and I think that's where real collaboration happens if you can find the time to share subject knowledge and read together and yeah. study together I think that can build so much confidence in a team especially a new team yeah I think that's really key and it's exciting as well isn't it it's really energizing when yeah. you're together as a department and you're not discussing sort of perfunctory uh, to do things and you're going through you know it's it's more about the reality of what we're doing in the classroom and I think it really energizes teachers to hear from from specialists in particular areas and it grows Absolutely. everybody's confidence as well which is brilliant you're right it does just make everybody feel like they have something to say mm-hmm. um and that that just translates into the classroom you suddenly feel much more confident yeah I totally agree with Nikki and I love what Nikki's been doing with her department in terms of having time to collaborate. Um, I think that it is important to remember that everybody in your department can bring something, including mm-hmm. as well. And um, as a, a mentor, um, I mentor for the SKIP programme. Also, you know, your trainees can bring a lot to the table and a lot yeah. to yeah. ideas, actually, because there's that enthusiasm, there's that freshness about them. Um, and it's always important, I think, to listen to them. I love... Mm-hmm observing a trainee teaching because sometimes I think oh my god that's a brilliant idea why have I never thought of doing that and um yeah so I think it is really important actually to to create a culture of collaboration within your department that that everybody feels that it's okay um to share things but also that it's okay to ask for help yes um, you know, there's people in my department who um, are uh, amazing A-level teachers. You know, if I wanted to push my year 11 that little bit, why should I not talk to them and say, OK, well, what would you do, you know, about critical theory or whatever that's going to push my year 11s that little bit further? Well, that's great advice. Thank you. And I think it sort of replaces that slightly cynical view we might have about going back to, you know, in September and the, the, the anxiety about it it translates that into something hugely positive, doesn't it? And energising. And I, I completely agree about what you're saying about, you know, trainee teachers as well, because there's that sense of, of joy and newness and exploratory things they're doing in the classroom that even a teacher of 10, 15, 20 years or whatever really wants to capture back that that feeling and that mm-hmm. sense of growing and improving and, and developing, which is one of the brilliant things about teaching. Excellent. Thank you. Um, we've kind of touched on this a little bit with that conversation there, but I know lots of listeners will be will be feeling that same workload panic that I was feeling this morning writing that list. So I wonder if 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 you've got any personal things or things you've seen other teachers do on on Twitter or you know on, on your conferences and things that have meant they can take a little bit more ownership and control over that workload battle that I think as English teachers is is. Particularly, I think we can be biased because this is an English teacher show, but it's particularly challenging for us. You know, the, the marking, the specifications, the reading, the subject knowledge, it can be really difficult and, and quite overwhelming for teachers. So I wonder if you've got any nuggets of wisdom for listeners about 
managing workloads? I think my top tip, the thing that has reduced my workload massively over the last two years is that I've stopped making PowerPoints um, unless they are absolutely essential, unless I really need something displayed in PowerPoint form. Um, I've, yeah, I've just stopped using them and it saved me so much time of my own evenings mm. with planning. I've, um, now, I mean, the part of that comes down to the fact that my school invested in visualizers, which I think are one of the greatest oh. inventions ever. <laughs> um, so with a visualizer, I just, I don't need a PowerPoint. I, if I need to write the date and tile down, I'll just, you know, old fashioned whiteboard, pen, blah, blah, blah. Anything I need to model, I can live model it in my notepad on the visualizer. I can, you know, do that with the kids. I don't need to have typed it up beforehand. And I, anything I want to study, you know, it's all about the text, really. So mm. the text is under the visualizer. I am confident in my subject knowledge because of what I share with my department. And that's really all I need. As long as I know what I'm talking about and I've got the text, I don't really need anything else. Um, mm. I found I, I was filling my lessons with what I call busy work, just like fluff to mm. just keep the pupil doing something for an hour. And then I, I think it was with the introduction of the new spec, I just sort of realized that I needed to be more focused on academia, academic writing, extended writing, lots of reading and stuff like that. And I just realized I was I was filling my lessons with a lot, with a lot of stuff that wasn't necessary. And mm -hmm. it has massively reduced my workload. And I think made me a better teacher, actually. Brilliant. And it, it's, it's all about managing their attention as well, isn't it? Managing the students' attention. It's really interesting. Sort of Peps McRae's book, Memorable Teaching, he talks a lot about that in terms of being able to direct students thinking where we want them to be really thinking. And as English teachers, as you say this, it's, it's the idea of the text itself being, being central and their attention being work towards that that I think is really really powerful and again yeah even as English teachers we feel the need to to write everything on a powerpoint and have it up there and, and I was yeah, a real was really... Im image hoarder for a long time as well you know lots of lovely images but it's just a huge amount of time that perhaps doesn't lead into anything meaningful so I think yeah, that's really, really really interesting it has its place definitely but yeah I think <clears> if you can cut it out then do and I think it will save a lot of people a lot of time brilliant thanks for that Nikki I bloody love a powerpoint <laughs> <laughs> and if I can do a powerpoint then I try um but um I think that's an interesting point then is that you know what works for one person might not work for another and I yeah. think that's something that's quite important um particularly when thinking about sort of um, the stuff that you would find on the Team English account, is that it's not always going to work for you. Yeah. Um, but in terms of workload, I would say, um, you know, you, you're bombarded with all these things on Team English and you think, oh, I'll try this and I'll try this and I'll try this. Actually, I think my biggest tip would be pick one thing that you're going to focus on yeah. for that year and focus on 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 bringing that in you could try the bits and pieces along the year but i think i've been you know i i've done things where i've gone oh i'm going to try all of this stuff and and that's when it becomes overwhelming because yeah. i'm not i'm constantly making new things or trying new things and then it's taking me hours and hours and hours whereas if you just focus on one thing for the year so for example um, I wrote a blog yesterday where I was talking about focusing on vocabulary for a year. Um, this year, I'm thinking about uh, focusing on writing, but not to then 
sort of say, right, well, now, now I'm going to try a different way of teaching them how to write this essay or, or this, that and the other. If I'm focusing on on writing a fiction piece, that's what I'm going to do for the year. And I think we, we can sort of overwhelm ourselves by by trying to do too much yeah. whereas actually little things can make a make a big difference and we can see then as well whether that little thing really has made a difference yeah and then it becomes exciting as well doesn't it you know when you're doing something for over that space of time for a year there's a real investment in it and you're giving yourself the time and the patience to develop and grow in it and that's one of the things that's that's challenging. There's this pressure, isn't there, to immediately become a kind of wizard, a Gandalf in the classroom when it's yes. in reality it's impossible. So using that time to slowly develop, I think, is is really important. Like the old silver bullet in schools, you know, people think, right, well, you know, year eleven need to get these results by the end of the year. Everybody do all of this now. Yeah. And mm. keep it will work and it ends up sort of, you know, students being very confused about everything mm. because they've had all these different interventions and I think we have to treat ourselves the same you know not bombard ourselves with everything and just focus on on the little things but also I think it's really important not to compare yourself I think Twitter you can bring that out as well in, yes. in the fact that you know you see people who say oh I go home at quarter past three and I don't do any work in the evening and yeah I rock up at half past eight and then you kind of think well, I can't do that. Mm, yeah. You know? yeah. And and it's not comparing, it's finding how you work best and what, yeah. what's for your well-being. Definitely try, particularly, I think, as a as a new teacher, because I think a lot of NQT see, see people saying, you know, I never work in the evening or weekend and, fi- and feel that they're a little bit inferior. And yeah. it, that's not the case at all. You know, you, you have to work through it to find the way that's, that's your way of working that's brilliant advice well-being's become this thing where it's about um endless pieces of advice isn't it it's kind of become something quite didactic even they this is well-being do this 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 and this when it's very much a personal journey isn't it it's finding the things that work for you it's finding the way of working that fits in with how you want to live your life as well i think which is which is really important and really helpful advice thank you for that uh, and i've also got my tagline for the the episode there becky i bloody love a powerpoint that's great <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that i'm gonna put you on the spot then just to sort of start to to finish off i wonder if you can offer for people starting in september three top tips each about how to have a brilliant academic year in english teaching pressure <laughs> I hope I don't tread on Becky's toes with any of these. But, um, <laughs> so, number one, uh, if you have a GCSE class, read the examiner's reports. Brilliant. Um, yeah. As soon as they come out, read the examiner's reports. It's essential. You will know what you're doing then. Um, yeah. Again, another reading one, read the texts that you're studying. Yeah. Um, know them inside out. If you don't enjoy them, find out why. Maybe do some research around them and try and find a passion for it if you can because it will be a really hard slug trying to teach a text that you do not like for the next two years. Um, so yeah, lots of reading, read the examiner's reports, read the text. Oh, one more, buy a visualizer. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that's my top three, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So visualizer, examiner's reports, and read and immerse yourself in the world of the text. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Thank you for that, Nikki. Becky. One, make PowerPoints. No. <laughs> 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 um, I would say, firstly, don't go back 
with a sort of negative mindset, you're going back to work. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, that you know, we 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 do this job and we're doing it for a reason because we actually quite like doing it. Um, have fun, and you know, go back really positive and think I'm just going to have have fun with these kids this year. There is yeah. no there is no other job where we get to work with with hundreds of children every day and they are just brilliant. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer that we've got to find the positivity and kids are brilliant. Um, you will teach, I don't know, in spectacles 20 times, but there'll be something every year where you thought, you think I haven't thought of that. And they, they found that. Um, so yeah, first of all, sort of that positivity, go in with a positive mindset. Um, two, this is a big thing of mine at the moment, um, vocabulary, new words, all as me that we teach a lot of EAL students and actually it's only the past couple of years that I realised what an impact that has on them. You know, they, they feel amazing because they've learned a new word and they can use that word and vocabulary is, is so important and, and we forget sometimes as well that they might not know a word. Mm. And thirdly, hmm. Mm. <laughs> mm. don't compare yourself I'm just going to say just don't compare yourself do things the way that you want to do it and um, and yeah don't, don't look at someone else and think I'm, I'm inferior because yeah. you're never inferior you're just doing things your way and remember that there's loads of support out there That's absolutely, listen I, I'm ready to go to work tomorrow I, I'm, I'm inspired I want, I, want to, <laughs> I want it to be September now I, I'm <laughs> That's brilliant. So find find the joy and passion. Vocabulary, so teaching words, finding the joy and the excitement in words. And then remember you are not alone. And use those brilliant networks that are out there, including, you know, all the wonderful things that are happening in Team English and online as well. Listen, guys, that's been absolutely superb. Thank you very much for that. And I guess I can sort of speak on behalf of English teachers throughout the, throughout the country and, and say a massive thank you for all the wonderful stuff you're doing. What resonates from, from this interview is about, you know, the passion, the excitement and the love you've got for teaching English. And I think that that's a, a hugely positive thing for people to hear about as they start off and uh, come back in September. So thank you very, very much for both of you for your time this morning. Thank you, I really enjoyed it. Let's just keep doing it all day. (laughs) There's so much to absorb and reflect further on in that fascinating discussion. It was a real glimpse into the mindset of two experienced and skilled English teachers. Something that resonated with me was Becky's point that collaboration and communication is something that is an inbuilt need and desire for us as humans. My light summer reading has been the epic history of civilization, Sapiens, by Yuval Noah Harari. I got fed up of it taunting me from the bookshelf. And that strength of humanity, collaboration, dominates the book. It's what sets us apart and has allowed us to make great progress in history. What collaboration needs, however, is proactive action. It doesn't just happen by magic. That's what makes Becky and Nikki's work so important. I certainly felt listening to them, that encouragement and that confidence that anybody in a school environment can take on that role and collaborate and share more efficiently. For me, that will mean trying to learn more from those around me in the coming year. 
and trying to make sure that those conversations about what I'm teaching happen with others. And I think it's those conversations that can be both energizing and inspiring, be it with the excitement and originality a trainee teacher can offer or the expert subject knowledge that a more experienced teacher can share and that's going to make our life easier. I think the exciting thing is that Team English can also offer a space to achieve that out with the school environment. And I think Becky and Nikki's advice on how to make the most of social media, CPD tool, was particularly useful. The point both raised about well-being, I think, is also vital. In the year ahead, finding the ways of working that fits best for us as individuals is so important. And what both suggested is there's no right or wrong way for us to work. There's only the way that works for us in our complex lives. Having the confidence to make decisions and take control over that is what will make a difference and help us to find a balance. And I think the final point would be about optimism. Without doubt, the quality that both Becky and Nikki radiated in that interview. And I think finding such joy, optimism and passion at work in schools comes from recognising all of the positive and wonderful things that exist in teaching. For me, approaching that at the start of the school year with that mindset is exciting and is motivating. So, to follow Team English on Twitter, they are at team underscore English one and their blog www.teamenglish1.wordpress.com has got loads of excellent resources and summaries of things that we can use as English teachers. Thank you again to Becky and Nikki for their time and enthusiasm. This month, I'm also very excited to be speaking with Robin McPherson and Carl Hendricks, the authors of What Does This Look Like in the Classroom? They'll be providing some clarity about educational research and focusing on giving listeners some evidence-based clarity about how to motivate students in the English classroom, how we might manage behaviour from the start of the year and tackle that huge challenge that we face as English teachers, which is feedback. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this first episode of the Test English Teaching Podcast useful.